Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another Baseball America podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer. We're joined by a very, very special guest today, Zach Wilson, the farm director of the Colorado Rockies. We brought Zach on this week because the Rockies uh, had a pretty unique accomplishment of all the teams to make it to the postseason this year. The Rockies had the most homegrown players on their playoff roster. 14 of their 25 uh, players were homegrown, the most of any team by uh, by a fairly decent margin. So we thought we'd bring Zach on here to talk a little bit about uh, the success of the Rockies as a whole. Uh, Zach, first of all, obviously not the ending you guys wanted, season ends, but at the same time, you guys make it to a division series. It seems like this organization, you guys are taking steps in the right direction. You make the wild card game last year. You make it to the division series this year. And seeing so many homegrown guys helping make that happen as the farm director, just how does that make you feel? And, and, and what are your thoughts on that success? Yeah, well, obviously, um, you know, not just me, but, but the whole organization looks at, at that as a great, great success. And, um, and obviously, there was, you know, there was a lot that went into the the formulation of uh, of this roster, um, and and Jeff Breider did a great job putting the whole team together. Um, and we accomplished history this year. You know, we uh, we went to the playoffs in back to back years for the first time ever in the history of the of the Colorado Rockies. So that that is a giant leap forward, uh, I believe. Um, and to have so many of our, our homegrown, homegrown players as, as part of that success is it's special to the scouting department where it started with Bill Schmidt and his scouts and Rolando Fernandez and his scouts internationally. And then obviously as, as uh, those players grow uh, through our organization with our, with our coaches and our coordinators and our process and, um, and to watch that, all of that pay off at the major league level in, in a very uh, sort of unique way. Um, you know, it's it's a uh, it, it's a great success story for this entire organization and all the people that have touched all those players along the way. Absolutely, one of the things that stood out to me as I was kind of doing the research and putting it together, some of the other teams that are behind you guys were heavy position players or heavy pitchers. They were really strong at developing one aspect, but they kind of had to mm-hmm. fill in the other aspect with trades. What stood out to me about you guys, not only not only did you have the most. It was pretty evenly distributed of your 14, eight were position players, six were pitchers. Can, what are some of the player development philosophies you guys have that have you know, led to that success on, in both regards as opposed to maybe just one over the other? Yeah, um, well, I would actually say seven pitchers because I, I actually include Herman Marquez in, in that conversation. I know 
obviously we got him in a trade, but he, you know, he spent uh, quite a bit of time with us at the minor league level. Um, and, and obviously he took an enormous leap forward over the past uh, couple years here. And so I look at him as, as one of our own. Uh, I know he feels that way. Um, and so, you know, that being said, I think, I think really what it boils down to, Kyle, and, and obviously there's a lot of pre- proprietary stuff that, that we do that, that I wouldn't talk about publicly, but, but what I can tell you is that, you know, the staff that we have, um, we, take, we take who we, surra- we are surrounding our players with very, very seriously. Um, because, the, the, you know, ultimately we are in a people business. We are in a relationship business. And the relationships that our staff and our players have and the way that they work together um, and the way that they collaborate on, um, on their entire path from the time we get them until they, and it really never ends, even when they get to the big leagues. Um, you know, those relationships, I think, are, are the gel um, that really, and the glue that holds our, our, our culture together. Um, and that's what it's based off of. And so, you know, our staff deserves all the credit in the world. We have amazing people, not just baseball people, but we have amazing people um, <clears throat> that, we've, that we've hired and that really work together as one group, um, and they don't care who gets the credit. And, uh, and when all of that comes to life uh, and the players breathe life into that same culture, um, you know, I think you see the results that we've seen over the last few years, and it really doesn't matter if they're pitchers or the position players or what they are. And certainly, I think, I, I've talked about this the last couple of years, the depth of our farm system has been uh, in the position, you know, all in all positions, um, offensively, defensively, uh, on the hill, all of it. That's been one of our strengths. And, um, and again, that started with our scouting staff, but, but our coaches have really um, embraced what we've set out to do. And they focused on it, and, um, and the players have done the same, and now you're seeing the results at the major league level. You mentioned a lot about relationships, and I want to ask how much of that is the makeup of these players, because a lot of times people talk about makeup, oh, it's good or it's bad, without really knowing what that actually entails. And I feel like a lot of times that just means the ability to, A, take instruction, be open to instruction, and apply instruction. Um, do you feel like that's been an emphasis for you guys, both, you know, scouting and then as well as through the development process, making sure the makeup is right for those players to have that attitude? Well, I I don't think there's any question that, you know, the the makeup of a player, and there's a whole bunch of different definitions behind makeup. Um, And and obviously we have our own. I will tell you exactly what they are. But there are certain things that we focus on and we feel like are important um, and that the people that we bring into this organization whether it's through the draft or internationally or even as major league free agents, those people possess, you know, these things that we feel like are important and they're going to continue to carry our organization forward. And so we, we have, uh, you know, unbelievable players in that way. Uh, again, that's a credit to our scouting staff who, you know, they're always the first point of contact with these guys. And, um, and we also know that, you know, no player is going to be perfect. They're not going to be perfect on the field. They're not going to be perfect off the field. We're not going to have the perfect makeup. There's no such thing. And so I think part of our job as developers um, is to not, not just uh, form the player and t- turn tools into skills, but to really mold the man. And, um, and that is something that our staff uh, has done, uh, again, another great job on. Um, and, you know, I think uh, 
when they when you can help instill and then and then impart um, you know certain kind of intangibles that we feel like are important. Um, those only uh, I, I think boost and strengthen uh, what they're able to do physically on the field. And so uh, again, these are these have been focuses of our staff, focuses of our process. And um, again, the guys have done a great job with it, both the both the players and the staff, because it takes both. Uh, it takes both, and I think sometimes you know we can say, well, the staff did this, or the player did this. Uh, ultimately, it takes the teamwork between both parties uh, to turn these players, get the absolute most out of these players, and that's what we're attempting to do with each player. And sometimes the absolute most is, you know, a, a high A reliever, uh, and sometimes the absolute most is a big league closer. Um, but ultimately, that's what they're trying to do, and it takes both parties to get that done. Absolutely. You mentioned the pitching a little bit, and I want to circle back there because mm-hmm. obviously developing pitchers uh, to be able to have success in Coors Field has really been a mystery that um, for most of the 25 years of, of the Rockies organization, there has not been a lot mm-hmm. of success in that. This year, five of your six primary starters were homegrown, and beyond that, you mentioned Marquez. When you acquired him, he had no experience above A-ball. So in a lot of ways, right. you're responsible for his development as well. Right. What changed? Well, I think ultimately what changed was um, the attitude behind Coors Field and how people both, uh, both internally and externally were talking about pitching at Coors Field. Um, you know, it's easy, to, it's easy to see now. We have a prime example that Coors Field doesn't bother Kyle Freeland one bit. And if you look at his numbers at home, they're actually slightly better than they are on the road. Um, and so, um, you know, it was a change in, you know, how we talk about certain things. Listen, altitude is a part of our reality. It just is. <laughs> You're not going to change the fact that we play at 5,280 feet. But what you can control is the way you look at that. And I think our, our pitchers have done an incredible job of, um, <clears throat> of taking – that challenge for what it is. And we have a belief here that if you take the mound the right way um, and you pitch uh, the right way um, in terms of being a competitor, fearless and aggressive and really not caring where you're pitching, you're going to have success, whether it's at Petco Park or it's at Coors Field. Um, And our guys have embraced that. And really it was just about a mindset. And if you have the right mindset here, or really anywhere, uh, you're going to find success. And they certainly have found that uh, at Coors Field. Obviously, the mindset is, is a huge part. Just like anything in life, uh, there's a little bit of uh, self-belief and confidence you have to have for success. Um, on the technical side, is there, because at various times there's been discussion about, oh, curveballs don't you know drop as much at Coors Field, various types of mm-hmm. pitchers can succeed, various can't. You guys have had different types of pitchers succeed, righties, lefties, you know, high velo guys, lesser velo guys. Is there something in the pitch profiles you do look for with players to be successful at Coors Field, particularly as starters? You know, I, I think, um, you know, you go back to makeup again and, and, and what makes a, a, a pitcher tick. Uh, that is probably the most important part um, in terms of a, a, of a pitcher's profile for us. Listen, I think, I think we've proven all sorts of different pitchers can pitch here. You know, Johnny Gray throws 97 with a with a – 90 mile per hour slider can pitch here, uh, and Tyler Anderson, who is um, 
you know, a, a, a little bit of a crafty lefty that's going to mix his stuff and be aggressive and, you know, have some deception um, and everything in between. Um, and so I, I think the important things, you know, here are that you, you have to be able to command your fastball. You can't give guys free bases. I think we really, really limited the walks this year, um, which was extremely helpful, uh, both, uh, you know, the, the starting pitchers and the relievers. Uh, obviously, you know, these are things that, that play anywhere. You know, I think here they're especially important. Um, <clears throat> you don't want to give up free bases to anybody. Um, so if we were able to do that. We were able to do that with success. So, you know, I think all sorts of pitch types of pitchers and all sorts of types of pitches. Listen, we we taught John Gray a, a curveball to use here. He, ne- he never really had one. We taught it to him, and, and it's been very, very effective here. Um, and so – is there a particular profile we're looking for in terms of stuff or pitches or velocity or any of that? I wouldn't say there. I wouldn't say that there is. I think we can make all sorts of things uh, work here, and I think we've we've done a good job of proving that to be correct. Part of the mindset is familiarity and having you know comfort pitching in high altitude locales. Kyle Freeland obviously is a, a Colorado native, and so there's some familiarity there. But one of the interesting things you guys have done on the minor league side is realign your affiliates a little bit. Uh, your high affiliate mm-hmm. uh, would move from Modesto to Lancaster. Triple A affiliate, yep. you guys are in Albuquerque now. Uh, you've you've had Asheville and Grand Junction uh, for a while. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, four of the five minor league levels that Rockies farmhands are pitching at are extreme hitters' parks. Whether it's because of altitude or wind factors. How much of that is something that, because again, there's been alignment for that. You've had Grand Junction in Asheville, but Lancaster's yep. fairly new. Albuquerque hasn't been the case forever. How much of that was intentional in saying, you know, we want to get these guys prepared, and the best way to do that is to throw them in the deep end at 18, 19, and A-ball? Yeah. Well, I think, um, you know, in, in terms of Albuquerque, you know, in AAA, we used to be in Colorado Springs. So I That's think we're true. Used to some things in, <laughs> I think we're used to some things in AAA, and, and Albuquerque is a beautiful facility uh, in a lot of ways. That, you know, uh, it's got a big league feel about it. Um, but listen, I, in terms of the challenges that each of the, each of the, you face at each of those places, we look at that as a, as a very good positive, a huge positive. Grand Junction, as you said, the ball flies out of there. We put a humidor in there this year. Uh, purposely, um, it did help. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, right out of the gate, you're being challenged with a tough environment. So you better learn how to be tough. Um, that doesn't change once you get to Asheville with the short porch and right. It doesn't change in Lancaster because of the wind. It doesn't change in Hartford because, you know, left field and right field play like a bandbox. Center field, it's hard to hit it out of, but it plays small. And then obviously you got Albuquerque at altitude. So, you know, I think it actually benefits us to, you know, have some of these challenges uh, from, an, uh, from a pitching environment standpoint at all of the cities that we play in and at all of these facilities uh, because you have to learn early and you have to learn quick. And so I think that's been a huge positive for us um, because you got to learn how to make adjustments and you got to learn how to have the right mindset and, and you got to learn how to keep the ball down. you got to learn how to – you throw strikes, you got to learn how to command your fastball, and you got to do all of that almost right out of the gate um, and then develop in those ways as quickly as possible. So, you know, you can either take advantage. Uh, listen, every ballpark has its quirks. Every ballpark has its advantages and disadvantages. So you can either look at those disadvantages as ways to get you better 
um, or you can complain about them. And our viewpoint is that those quote-unquote disadvantages actually help make us better and help us make, make us better uh, more quickly. On both sides of the ball, really, because uh, you can get into some extremely bad habits offensively in some of these parks where the ball uh, seems to travel a little better. So it's been a benefit to us. Um, you know, we love all of our affiliates. We love all the cities. We love all the people that we work with. And the environments that we play in have, um, you know, I think have, have, have helped us in our development process. Lancaster in particular was a place that, generally speaking, affiliates couldn't get out of there fast enough. Did you guys mm -hmm. specifically, you know, say we want Lancaster when it came open in 2016? Well, I think there were a lot of factors that, that played into that. Um, you know, we, we definitely had some choices. You know, I think once we got our, wrapped our arms around, you know, the operators of that club, um, you know, the facility itself is beautiful. Listen, if the wind wasn't there, it'd be, it'd be extremely sought-after place. It's a, it's a very big clubhouse. It is, uh, you know, the people, again, the, the GM there and the, and the president, uh, there are uh, they treat us unbelievably well um so it's really really it's a really great place to be outside of the wind um but again that's uh, that's out that's that's outside of our realm of control um and so you know i knew when we went in there that we were not going to have any issues with our pitching development i knew it because um we were not going to change who we were from a pitching standpoint now are you going to give up some wind-blown homers every once in a while? Yeah, you probably are. But as long as you um, stick to the process and not let those results get in the way of you moving forward, um, you're going to move forward. And that's what a lot of our pitchers have been able to do there. You look at guys like Rico Garcia um, and a lot of guys in that bullpen, uh, Justin Lawrence and, and Brian Humphreys. I mean, there, there are guys there that have pitched <laughs> just like they would anywhere else, and it, and it, and it paid off. And then on the offensive side of the ball, you just got to make sure that, you know, as I said earlier, guys aren't getting into bad habits because uh, it's easy to do. Um, and so that has actually been probably a little bit more of a challenge than the pitching side of things, you know, making sure that offensively we're sticking with our approach, that we're sticking with our process. Um, but overall, I think we've done a, gr a really good job. Last year I was in there at one point, um, and we didn't hit one home run. Nobody hit a single home run in BP. Uh, and that was purposeful. Um, it was all line drives all over the place. So um, again, this is, these are these are quirks of a stadium that I think if you if you look hard enough, you can find ways that they can help you in your development process, and we've been able to do that. It's interesting you mentioned that because obviously the pitching has been a huge, huge part of your guys' success this year, and I think that's where a lot of people go, oh my gosh, you know, how did they do this? Um, but as you mentioned, we see a lot of times 18, 19, 20-year-olds, especially when they first get into pro ball, they're in an environment where they can launch, they try to do so, and then as soon as they get to sure. double-A, it, it hurts them. What are some of the yep. things you guys do with your, with your hitters and their development to help kind of emphasize you know, the fundamentals you want to be emphasized as opposed to you know, drop your yep. back shoulder and launch it like a lot of people can <laughs> fall into? Sure. Well, you know, again, I'm not going to... Uh, I can't give you too too much details about our hitting philosophy. Obviously, we have a very in-depth one. But what I can tell you is that it really goes back to, um, you know, it goes back to following a prescription. Um, and at Lancaster, it's a little hard to make sure that prescription's 
you know, being taken on a regular basis. Um, but we have the right coaches in place to do that. And so you just keep hammering it at home, you hammer at home, you hammer at home. And you make sure in batting practice in particular or any of the, the, the side work that we're doing or extra work that we're doing, that the approach is what it needs to be because that's what's going to show up in the game. And if our practice approach gets way out of whack, whether that's in BP or otherwise, you're going to start running into problems in the game. Um, because, you know, in this game, you, you definitely get what you focus on. And if you're focused on doing the right the right things uh, when you're practicing, those are going to show up in the game as well. And, uh, and the staff in Lancaster in particular has done a great job of making sure that these guys don't get out of whack and they don't get into bad habits and they don't get into this place where, oh, well, I could easily hit two pop fly home runs today and my numbers will look better. Well, that's fine, but when somebody like me is sitting in the stands and sees that it's two pop fly home runs, it's doing nothing for you. Um, and I think that's been so deeply ingrained into so many of these guys that it really hasn't changed who they are regardless of where they're playing. So given all that, you, you mentioned the, pack, the factors in Coors Field are what they are. Players are going to have mm -hmm. to deal with them. How much does knowing Coors Field and, and the park factors associated at many of your affiliates how does that yeah. affect your, your scouting philosophies or your development plans at the lower levels, if at all? Mm -hmm. You know, I don't think it really does. Um, you know, I think once we, you know, with new players that come into the organization, I think there are definitely these stereotypical thoughts that they have in their head about what Coors Field is and how it plays. Um, you know, we wash those away pretty quickly. <laughs> um, they hear about it almost right out of the gate on both sides of the ball about what's reality and what is kind of kind of uh, just publicly inflated. Um, <clears throat> and so, uh, you know, and then one of the great parts about you know, what we have going on is then they start hearing it from other people in the organization about how, hey, man, what they're telling you is true. Um, and so when that can happen and that can spread kind of organically and, and on its own, um, you know, I think the messages come out loud and clear and early about about uh, you know what playing in Denver really means and what it's like and what's important. Um, so again, it, it goes back to I think the process and the culture and the environment that we've created here for our for our players to grow up in. You mentioned your players growing up in it, and and one of the things that stood out to me as again I was just kind of crunching it a little bit. A lot of the Rockies' most recent position player successes, Nolan Arenado, Trevor Story, David Dahl, Ryan McMahon, most of them are high school draftees. While a lot mm -hmm. of the pitcher successes, you know, Kyle Freeland, Tyler Anderson, Chad Bettis, John Gray, they're college draftees. Sure. Is, is that by chance or by design that the position players are more high school based and the college guys are, or the pitchers are more college based? Yeah. You know, I, I think that, um, I think that Bill Schmidt just tries to take the the best player all the time and um you know just by happenstance i think a lot of times the the, the best hitter when he was taking a position player was a high school guy and uh and by happenstance it was a it was a you know a college pitcher at the time that we selected um you know but at the same time if, if you look around there's you know there's still there's still guys i mean we got peter lambert who's right on the cusp of of getting there and being uh, impactful uh, in Denver, you know, we've got guys like Charlie Blackman who came from Georgia Tech. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, um, you look all over the field, I think there's a variety of, of, of different guys. 
Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, our scouts are looking to take the best players and they're looking to do the best things um, that they can to feed really good players um, into our system. And, you know, once that happens, you know, our staff takes over and they do an unbelievable job, an unbelievable job. So, um, you know, again, I think some of it is probably just um, coincidence, um, but uh, ultimately it comes down to the scouts and and the player development staff um, doing awesome. And I think there's no question, uh, just given the uh, the results, uh, awesome is probably the, the right word <laughs> to describe it. Um, again, having 14 of your 25 guys being homegrown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Moving forward, you know, you mentioned that there's more on the way. Peter Lambert has opened a lot of eyes. Uh, he's already in AAA, uh, having just turned yeah. 21. Brendan Rogers is, has lived up to a lot of the billing as a top three overall pick in his draft. Uh, there's been a pretty steady stream of guys coming through the system the last few years. Do you guys as an organization feel like you've, I don't know, found the formula to, to have this steady pipeline coming through up to Colorado? Because, again, just to be frank, it hasn't been there for most of the 25 years this organization has been in existence. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think, um, you know, you could sit here and you could point out specific players and you could um you mentioned the guys have gotten there the guys that are about to get there or even you know the you know the riley pints and the ryan belates and the grant levines of of kind of the next you know, generation of rocky player uh, down at the bottom of our system but i think ultimately um yes you have to have you know talented players you have to um but ultimately i, I think it's about um the culture that you create and the uh, environment that you create. And when again, when the, I know I said it before, but it's vitally important when the staff and the players breathe life into that culture that you've laid the foundation for. Um, you know, I think that is what breeds success. And so to answer your question in short, yes, I think we are set up to have some sustained success here because we've worked really, really, really hard on our culture and our process. And uh, I have no doubt that that's going to continue on, regardless of what type of players uh, that our great scouting staff um, feeds into our pipeline. You joined the Rockies, uh, the player development department, in September of 2011. So you've been there for mm-hmm. some time now. How have you seen it change and evolve from September 2011 to October 2018 in regards to that that process? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think it's 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 changed significantly, um, and then in other ways, it's probably stayed the same significantly. Um, you know, uh, my you know, our, our obviously Jeff was was the farm director um, in 2011 when he came over in 2011, and I was the assistant farm director. Um, we, we you know we were able to to um, work as a wonderful team to start kind of creating you know something new and something different. Um, particularly culturally. Um, and, you know, part of that was, you know, kind of reevaluating where we were and what was important. Um, so we did that over time. Um, and, and Jeff kind of started the ball rolling on that. And really all I did when Jeff became GM and I took over was, was keep that ball rolling in that direction. Um, you know, some of it certainly, I, I think, was some staffing changes. 
Um, you know, our predecessor, Mark Gustafson, still with the organization in the scouting uh, department, you know, he did a wonderful job, you know, hiring some really good people that are still here to this day. Um, some other areas we felt like we needed to shore some things up, which we did. Um, and then we started, you know, really uh, laser focusing on certain areas of the game. Um, you know, obviously you've seen it with the pitching. Um, and so there was very, very specific things that we deemed important that we started really zero, zeroing in on, um, and those have paid off. So I, I'd say, um, you know, the, 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 the culture that we've created, again, it started with Jeff and has continued um, over the last, you know, seven years. That has been our, our primary focus um, because, again, I think that is – well, players are going to come and go. It's just the nature of the game. But uh, I think who we are as Rockies um, can sustain, and it'll continue to evolve, and it should uh, as the game evolves uh, and as players evolve uh, and as really as society evolves. Um, but I think that, that if you have a strong, firm bedrock of what is important, what you believe in, um, when it comes to everything from who you bring in an organization from on the staff to what kind of players you're bringing in and to how all of those things mesh together, um, that I think is can be long-lasting. And uh, that has been, I think, our primary, uh, you know, our primary objective and goal over the last six, seven, eight years. Absolutely. So you said the word, uh, the bedrock. I have to ask, what would you say is the bedrock of the foundation? <laughs> um, our people. Our people. Um, and when I say people, I mean both players and staff and the kind of people that we're dealing with. Uh, you know, without the right people, uh, it doesn't matter, you know, what else gets done. Uh, you have the wrong people in place or you bring the wrong people into the organization. Uh, I think things can go afoul pretty quickly. Um, and so we feel really, really great about the type of people that um, are involved on, on, on both sides of the chalk line. And that is, you know, very passionate, caring, giving, selfless, trusting, hardworking people. And, um, again, uh, both on the coaching staff and as players. And when you can combine those two groups of people with all those sort of elements, you've got a chance to have something really special for a long time. So given, you know, in the course of our conversation, both in our discussion earlier about pitchers, you really, you know, dialed in on, you know, the mindset, the mentality. And in discussing the organization as a whole, you, you've really emphasized again, you know, the quality of people. Um, obviously, makeup and personality are, are very, very huge, um, both for you and the organization as a whole. When you're, you know, sitting in Hartford or sitting in Grand Junction and watching, you know, things take place, how much of a makeup, how much is the makeup evaluation uh, a factor in your in your final assessments and reports? Is it a part of it? Is it a, a medium part of it, or is it something that you feel like is every bit as important as tools? Yeah, I mean, for me, that is uh, that is a tool. Um, that is a tool, and and a big one. Um, and I think at times you. You definitely have to judge that uh, as important, if not more important, than any of the rest of the five physical tools. Um, because ultimately, you can be an extremely talented player and fail. Um, you know, there, there is, as Herbert Hoover said, there's nothing more common uh, than uh, talented men 
that never succeed. And so, you know, um, we have to make sure that we are combining the talent levels uh, with the intangibles uh, that get brought to the table or, cre- or helping create the intangibles to make sure that the players are getting the most out of themselves, the Colorado Rockies are getting the most out of the players. In cases, you know, just use Kyle Freeland as an example. Was his, the fact that he had the, you know, quote-unquote necessary makeup to succeed, was that mm-hmm. evident, you know, in 2014 and he's in Asheville and you're watching him right after he gets drafted, or is it something that comes, you know, later, you know, year two, year three? Yeah. For Kyle, I think it was, it was fairly immediate. Um, I think we all knew right away what type of competitor he was, how much he cared, how much he wanted to be good for all the right reasons. Uh, so it was easy to see with him and therefore easier to develop with him. Um, and that just kept getting stronger and stronger and stronger as he aged and matured and got experience. You know, for other guys, it comes later. I think that uh, you never really know when a light bulb is going to go off uh, in, in those ways. And sometimes it doesn't go off. Um, and then you kind of know what you got. But, but you, you know, part of, I think, you know, I've said this before publicly, one of the, one of the, one of development's biggest assets is patience. And, um, and so you can't, uh, you can't throw guys to the wayside for any reason, or makeup or otherwise, uh, until you've given it everything that, that, that you've got in the organization and everything, and you know that that player's given it everything that they've got. Uh, and as long as that happens, you know, we're satisfied. And like I said, sometimes the satisfaction is because we've got 14, although I'll say 15 homegrown guys on the major league playoff roster. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes that satisfaction is, you know what, we did as best as we can with this guy, and now we probably need to move on. Um, but, uh, but ultimately, I think, um, you know, it comes down to making sure that you have done every single thing that you can do to get the most out of a player. Absolutely, and uh, I think the record shows that you guys have a pretty good track record of, uh, of doing that and getting them to the major leagues, and uh, you know, we'll see if the, the success uh, continues, but, uh, but so far, so good. <laughs> it, ha- it has been great. It's been a great journey. Um, like I said, I, I think we're, we're set up very well for some long-term success here. Um, you know, to, to make it to the playoffs two years in a row uh, in Major League Baseball, as you know, is extremely hard to do. So uh, we have more work to do. We know it. Um, you're never happy unless you win your last game of the year. So we'll, we'll continue to strive for that. Uh, but in the meantime, I think we're in a really, really good place. Absolutely. All right. Well, Zach, thank you so, so much for joining us. Uh, we really, really appreciate you. And uh, congrats again on a great season. Thanks, Kyle. Appreciate you having me. Take care. Absolutely. All right, everyone. That'll do it for another edition of the Baseball America podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We'll have another one for you next week. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. 
every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.